The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only. Hi, everybody. I'm Gwendolyn Stirk of Stirk Family Law, and I have the privilege to have with us today Larry Lovater. Hi, Larry. How are you today? Hey, Gwen. Hi. How are you? Good. So you're with Guaranteed Rate, and we want to know a little bit about what it is that you do and the services that you provide. Okay. Uh, I'm a certified divorce lending professional. Uh, it's a CDLP. I have a specialty in working with uh, clients who are going through a divorce. I'm also a vice president of mortgage lending with Guaranteed Rate. And so in addition to helping divorcing clients, you know, I'll do uh, regular purchase business, refinances. I've uh, been in the industry for 18 years, and um, I think I bring a, a, a good level of expertise and uh, training to the table. Um, been in it long enough where I say that I'm, there isn't a scenario that I haven't seen before. So, um, yeah, and thank you for having me today. I really appreciate it. Sure. Well, you know, a lot of people going through a divorce, they have two big assets, their retirement and their home, right? So dealing with the house is an essential part of it. And what I wanted to deal with today is considerations for refinancing a mortgage while divorcing. Because I think a lot of people have to go through that or they want to do it or they attempt to do it. And, you know, really, we need to know what are the factors overall that people should know about when considering refinancing. Yeah, that's a good question. A lot of people don't realize what goes into it and, and the depth that we need to go into it as a mortgage lender to figure out the different options that they have available to them. So there are a number of factors that we look at um, that can impact the borrower's financing. And the two biggest ones are employment and income. We have to be able to document employment history and the stability of that employment. And then, of course, we also have to verify that the client has enough income to qualify. Most of the time, and this is, you know, when I'm referring specifically to a divorce scenario, uh, most of the time when a client originally purchased the home, both spouses were working and both incomes were used to qualify. But it's very common for one spouse to decide at some point along the way to leave the workforce and be a stay-at-home parent, takes care of the kids in the house. And sometimes it's this person who wants to retain the home and refinance the mortgage. So, excuse me, in a circumstance like this, we don't have employment income that we can use, but the client client may be receiving maintenance, uh, which is also known as alimony, and uh, possibly child support. There are specific lending guidelines that address the use of maintenance and child support, and we have to make sure that the client scenario falls within those guidelines. Another thing that we have to look for that a lot of people miss is the timely payment of maintenance and child support. If payments are not made as specified in the settlement agreement, an underwriter might determine that the income can't be used. For example, if the settlement agreement states that the payments are to be made on the first day of the month, but the ex-spouse sometimes pays in the middle of the month or not at all in some months, the underwriter may disallow the use of that income. And that could impact approvability. So we have to check the payment history in addition to how much they're receiving to make sure that we're good to go on that. Sure. And then 
In addition, uh, if we're going to use the maintenance and child support to qualify, we also have to be able to prove and document that the client has been receiving that income for at least six months before we can use that income. And then there are times when we also have to get creative in looking for ways to create additional sources of income from retirement accounts, for example, uh, to help the client qualify. And then one last item that of course is a, a huge piece of it is their credit. Right. Um, and it's not just their credit score, but there could be lots of other things on their credit report that could impact approvability. Right. I think that sometimes people just rush into it and say, well, you know, maintenance will start on January 1 and you have to refinance by March 1st. And it's just not a possibility. And you haven't considered those factors. So you really have to work together with your lender to understand when and what terms really need to be negotiated because it's an impossibility. That's right. Uh, you know, I, I see it often where the terms of the settlement agreement were written in such a way that um, it's not possible to execute the goals in the, in the agreement because right. of the timelines involved. So you're absolutely right. Now, now, some people refer to an equity buyout. Can you explain to the audience what that is? Sure. So I use an equity buyout loan when a client wants to retain the marital home and plans to refinance the mortgage. Typically as part of the refinance, they'll take cash out to compensate the other spouse for their share of the equity in the house. An equity buyout allows the client to do this as a rate and term refinance. Most loan officers don't have the training and background that I have will automatically do this as a cash out refinance. And those come with less favorable terms than a rate and term refi does. It's critical though, that the family law attorney sets up the settlement agreement correctly and specifically states that the client will use an equity buyout to refinance the mortgage. Unfortunately, this step is missed by a lot of attorneys. And when that happens, an equity buyout can't be done. And then the only option is a cash out refi if their plan is to take equity out of the house. And why is a rate and term better or is it better? <laughs> and a good question, and it is. So uh, there are differences between cash out refi and our rate and term refi, and, and they're significant. And again, can impact the approvability of the loan and can impact the strategy behind refinancing the mortgage. So a rate and term refi is used when the client's goal is to lower their rate and their payment. And they may also want to go from a longer term, like a 30-year fixed rate loan to maybe a 20-year or a 15-year term. And a lower term, of course, allows the client to pay off the mortgage a lot faster, and they'll pay a lot less interest over the life of the loan. So those are all good things. Uh, plus, with the rate and term refi, you can borrow up to 95% of the value of the house. This is really important. So for example, if the client's home, just for easy math's sake, let's say that the home is worth $100,000, they can qualify for a loan up to 95,000, 95% of uh, up 100,000. This most of the time should allow the borrower to take out enough cash to pay off the other spouse. A cash out refinance program is used when people typically want to refinance their mortgage so that they can take cash out, maybe to pay off debt, um, pay for home renovations and remodeling, or maybe pay for college for the kids. Uh, but um, there are some differences. And here's the downside 
to going with the cash out refi. Cash out refis have higher interest rates, usually at least a half a point higher and sometimes more than a cash out refi is going to have. Sure. The other big difference is that you can only take out a loan up to 80% of the value of the house instead of 95%. This is also important because it may not allow the borrower to take out enough cash to pay off the ex-spouse and then potentially other assets may need to be used in order to, to square up with the, with the spouse. So uh, with the cash out refinance, the loan might get closed, but it could have done with a better rate and a lower payment, and they would have been able to access more of the equity in the home. So what should you do and work with your attorney about to make sure that you have refinanced terms that are proper or in your best interest? So, you know, that's a good question. So, um, sorry, Twinkles, my buddy, is loves to get on Zoom calls. There you go. Um, so uh, so that, that's a very good question. So one of the key things is to um, have, have the loan officer and myself take a look at the situation uh, very early on in the process. Um, after the divorce is final is, is not the time to start figuring out the financing piece. I think it's very important to have me take a look early on. And as I mentioned earlier, you know, there, there can be challenges with the income and employment. And we want to make sure that if the goal is to retain the marital home and refinance the mortgage, that the client can actually qualify to do that. Also, typically the settlement agreement will identify a timeline in which the client will be required to refinance the mortgage. And if they don't close in that window of time, they'll be required to put the home on the market and sell it. So coming back to your point from a minute ago, if the timelines are not laid out correctly in the settlement agreement, when it comes time to actually pursue the financing, the only option may be selling the house because they won't be able to close the mortgage in the window identified in the settlement agreement. If I'm involved early on, I can identify how much income we'll need to qualify and how much time we'll need in order to close the loan. And then these things can be negotiated and written into the settlement agreement. If you have all of that information at your disposal to work with, then you can negotiate to obtain these things for the client so that they have a successful outcome. That's correct, right? It's very interesting, right? And even I've seen some people add in there that if somebody's trying to refi, but they don't get approved, but they're making a good faith effort, that maybe the court would extend it for a period of time as well. So there's different things that you can do to utilize. But I agree with you, working with that mortgage lender during the process is really an important piece that people forget about. It really is, because often once things are final, and when you, you, you know, um, it is not always easy to get the other spouse back to the table to renegotiate, right. to set up terms that can be uh, helpful to the buyer, I'm sorry, to the, the borrower, so that we can complete the refinance process. Often it's not an amicable divorce, and there's no way once it's final, we're going to be able to start negotiating again. So really critically important to, to have all the information available to know what's going to be needed in order so that the the borrower has a successful outcome as it relates to their real estate needs. 
Right. And the other thing that I find is sometimes people go to somebody they know or somebody that referred them to a mortgage lender who has no experience dealing with the divorce process and the implications. And that's not in, always in your best interest because you need to have specific terms that are identified or work with somebody that can help identify you. And even if it's post-divorce, possibly file a motion you know, to try to get extended relief for you. So there are things that can be done if you work collectively. Obviously, the earlier you work together, the better. But if that hasn't occurred and you feel that you're stuck and you're listening to this and saying, oh, I need to take some action, then you need to call somebody like Larry. Larry can talk to you. You know, we can work with you to try to get together a plan because there always is another plan B. That's what I find. You know, mm -hmm. a lot of times people will call and say, well, absolutely, I'm never going to get a mortgage. And I'm thinking, I'm not so sure about that, you know. It's another question right. It's another question about whether you should be trying to refinance. I mean, that gets into a whole different topic, you know, in keeping the house. But that's different from whether you not you have the ability to do it. So these are decisions. And really, you know, our tagline out of our firm is empower yourself with options. And one of the things I believe in coordinating with people and getting the resources to the table is to understand and for people to understand what their options are. There you go. I was just going to say that, you know, you want to be able to help them make informed decisions. Correct. You know, show them what the options are, explain the advantages and disadvantages of each one. And I always say, once you have that information available, the path forward becomes clearer um, right. because they can, they can see which of the, the choices they have makes the most sense based on what their goals are. And, um, and you're right, it's important to have the, the right people in your corner who know the ins and outs of the divorce process because there are, for example, lots of lending guidelines specifically that address working with a divorcing client, as we talked about earlier, use of income and how much income and when they receive the payments and how the settlement agreement needs to be set up. Uh, the typical, uh, at least on, in, in my industry anyway, the typical loan officer is not familiar with a lot of these things. The equity buyout that we talk about versus ending up with a cash out refi. I guarantee you 99% of loan officers would do that as a, as a, cash out refi and not blink an eye. And we've talked about negative impact of, of when that happens. So uh, I think it's critically important for the client to work with a good divorce team. I call it the divorce team right. uh, because it will have a huge impact as to whether they have a successful outcome to the divorce process or not. A good family law attorney and I can work together to identify the challenges that are involved. And as you said, develop solutions together. Uh, we right. have the expertise and, and the experience to do that. A good divorce team will also often include other professionals like financial planners, right. some of whom have a specialty in working with divorcing clients, tax accountants, and, uh, and real estate agents. The key, and you touched on this as well, uh, the key is that a good divorce team will work together and communicate throughout the process. Uh, sometimes I see situations where there are divorce professionals that are not talking to one another, and that can lead to problems. I like to describe it as, as puzzle pieces that are not connected. Sure. Right. And then some of the decisions you make along the way, it's like, for example, you talked about, you know, maybe creating that income source, but that's where the divorce attorney comes in, because if you're going to take money out of retirement, you could significantly impact your maintenance and or your child support. And remember, in Illinois now, we have shared 
income approach to child support. So all these things have significant impact. And that's why the concept of the team that you're identifying is so important because, you know, it might be a source, but it not, might not be the best source because it could hurt you in another area of your divorce. You're degree. right. And you mentioned another thing earlier about maybe refinancing isn't even the best way to go. If we do have to go into retirement funds to make a refinance work, does it make sense to even do that? And what does, what impact does that have long-term on the person's retirement? Right. Maybe maybe keeping this home isn't the, the best option. Maybe letting this home go and then downsizing to a more affordable home that they could qualify for without touching retirement funds is maybe the best option. And that's where having a good financial planner on the team you know, comes into play and figuring out, okay, you know, financially, if we go down this road, where are we at the end of the day? If we go down that road, where are we at the end of the day? And the three of us together um, can consider all the various options and implications of each one. And again, the path forward for the client becomes a lot clearer. Correct. You know, so somebody's listening today and they're like, okay, I've never even heard of this rate and term refinance. I'm a little confused. I really need to get more help and more insight. How can they reach out to you, Larry, to get some information and really learn more? Well, thank you for asking. I appreciate that. Um, they can reach out to me. They can always call my cell, which is uh, 630-306-5060. They can email me as well. Um, my last, and I'll spell the email address, it's really my last name and my first name. So it's L-O-V-E-T-E-R-E, -E -E, and then Larry, L-A-R-R-Y, and then the number four, the numeral, not spelled out, at gmail.com. You can also go online. I'm on Facebook and LinkedIn, and you can also find my, uh, my uh, uh, banker's uh, website out there as well. Very good. And I know you put a newsletter out that's been very helpful to all of us and some information in there as well. So Larry is just a wealth of information. And if this is something you're embarking on, you really do need to put those considerations from a holistic perspective. Does it make sense? Is it workable? And even if it is workable, is it in your best interest? So these are things that people have to look at, right, Larry? Absolutely. You're right on the money, Gwen. Well, thank you for your time today. We really appreciate the information you've shared with our audience. Oh, thank you for having me. I'm glad you found it helpful and I hope everyone else does too. Thank you so much. You're welcome. Thank you. To learn more or to connect with Stirk Family Law Group or Gwendolyn J. Stirk, call 815-600-8950 or visit stirkfamilylaw.com. The information in this podcast is not legal advice and should not be construed as such. It is for informational and educational purposes only. Uh, uh.